Welcome to the Strength and Recovery Podcast. We are here in beautiful St. Charles, Illinois, just outside um, the city of Chicago um, at the campus here, getting ready for Alumni Night, um, which is um, just a night in our facilities where the alums come back and have a support meeting. And it's a really beautiful thing and certainly the highlight of the week um, for many people. And um, I'm privileged to be here tonight and sitting down with Kim H. Um, She is an alum of St. Charles. And we're just so glad to have you. Thank you, I'm happy to be here. And uh, we were just chatting and I I honor you so much and, and just talking before about just even having this conversation and the strength and honesty it takes to say, I'm in recovery. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? What makes you want to tell your story? <clears throat> I'm proud of where I came from. Um, it was a very dark road, and um, I can see the light now, and I feel so much healthier and so much better. And um, it just is so freeing. I feel so much freer than I did in my addiction. And you were talking about how just telling your story and the power of that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very powerful. And I tell it to anyone who will listen. And, you know, my, my coworkers probably think I'm nuts sometimes because I'll tell anyone who will listen about this is what happened to me and, and this is how... I got sober and this is how I feel now and you know to tell people and to share my story with people um, brings me joy because I know if I just help that one person by telling my story then it was well worth it well why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself today and and how how we came to <laughs> know each other um, well you know I I, I it goes back to when I was a kid, you know, um, I had a rough childhood. My dad was a Vietnam veteran. I was born when he was in Vietnam. We lived with my grandma and he came back and it was in the sixties. I was born in 68 and, um, he was hippie. My parents were hippies and, and that was great. That was our life. Uh, but um, I always grew up with drugs and alcohol in my family. I didn't know that smoking marijuana was against the law. I didn't know that it was not right to do, especially back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad always smoked pot and drank, and that was our norm. He grew pot in the backyard. We had to call him Chinese tomato plants to our friends. <laughs> so um, as I got older and realized this wasn't right, I was like, wow, this is weird. I wonder why he does that. Uh-huh. And um, in my teenage years, I decided that I needed to find out what the great thing was about this marijuana. And, um, you know, as a child also, you know, the the trauma from childhood experiences, um, you know, working my steps, I'm finding out that a lot of my uh, addiction is stemmed from childhood trauma Mm -hmm. and uh, my dad was an alcoholic he cheated on my mom we would uh, wake up in the morning and there would be blood on the walls from you know my dad being out and coming home drunk and him and my mom fighting 
we'd have to go out driving around from bar to bar looking for him in the middle of the night, me and my little brother. And that was just not normal, but I thought it was normal. I thought this is what all families did. I didn't... I didn't know that this was so wrong, and it led me to um, self-medicate and to um, try that marijuana that one time, and I smoked um, pretty regularly through high school. I did. I was not a big drinker back then. We just didn't do that. We didn't do um, any other drugs back then. We couldn't afford it. But I, my dad always, you know, he sold marijuana by then, and so it was free. I would just sneak it, and he always knew, but I denied mm-hmm. it, of course, because addicts are good liars. And um, so I, I um, went on to uh, get in relationships that were abusive, um, emotionally, sexually, physically, um, and that was just the life that I thought was a normal life because that's what I grew up watching was, was those things. And um, as I got older, um, I, I couldn't smoke pot anymore, so I started drinking. And uh, Do you remember kind of that transition and, and what the, that feeling was that brought you to the alcohol? Um, escape, mm-hmm. escaping, you know, um, my life. And, and, you know, at first it was, you know, going out with the girls to the clubs and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, it was my drinking in the very beginning wasn't a problem. I would drink on the weekends and then after work I'd have a glass or two of wine and then maybe the next few months it'd be a more and more and before I knew it I was drinking a bottle of wine every night and not really thinking it was a big deal. Talk to us a little bit about mommy wine culture and just kind of like I deserve the glass of wine Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. It's very 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 big and I even find myself to this day saying to people like hey let's after after work let's go out for a cup of coffee because mm-hmm. I, f- I forget sometimes and yeah. and that's just the words that come out of our mouth because that's what all my kids friends that's what we do mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that being in that situation but it is a wine culture for mm-hmm. for parents now and a drinking culture when I was a kid, my dad was the only one who drank. My mom never drank. My mom never got together with the girls like we do with, you know, my my son's parents or my son's friends' parents and, you know, my clients or my coworkers. Um, my mom didn't do any of that. She stayed home. But nowadays, yes, the um, culture of drinking wine, you know, is huge. And there's pressure. Mm-hmm. For everybody to participate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And most, and, it, and it's okay. A lot of those people don't have the problems. Mm-hmm. But for that one person, like myself, it, it doesn't end there. Yeah. It continues. And when did you start to realize mm, this is a problem? Probably when I was showing up to PTO meetings drunk and sitting next to the principal he didn't smell alcohol on me. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate. Um, I very rarely drove when I was drinking. I had friends that would pick me up because they knew I'd be having cocktails while I cooked dinner. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't cook dinner without having a couple cocktails. 
and then I couldn't start dinner without having a couple cocktails. And um, then it was time for, you know, a meeting. And I was just like, gosh, you know, I really shouldn't be going to these meetings drinking. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, I was um, uh, the chairperson for our scouting um, kid, the kids in scouting. And um, I would go to those drinking, yeah. you know, and, and, and that it was, it was so wrong. And, you know, I look back and I'm, I'm embarrassed. I knew those, pe- I know those people knew I was drinking. I mm-hmm. was, I was just fooling myself. And I, I think it's just so beautiful how you're so willing to talk about this story. I think so many in, in today's world do run into trouble or got in, you know, we're drinking during COVID and mm-hmm. couldn't stop and needed to go back to work and maybe feel like, oh, well, I need to shove this under the rug. Yeah. And you have this story and you're so willing and so open. You're just saying like, I'll tell anybody I my will. story. I'll tell anybody. You know, when it's like, that's not the norm. Often people are so ingrained with the shame and the stigma yeah. Yeah. surrounding this disease. I got over that. I I, um, I got over that the day I checked into RCA. Wow. I put on Facebook, um, I'm going away for 30 days to get sober. See you when I'm clean. And I had a few people message me and say, why would you put that on Facebook? And I, I said, well, I'm, I'm calling myself out. And if people know what I'm going through and they need help, maybe they'll get help too. And I want people to know that I have a sickness. And, you know, maybe if, if they can help me in any way, that's great. If I can help them in any way, that's great. And I was being held accountable. I'm just genuine, genuinely moved by that honesty. Like, I, I think it's really unique to your story. And um, I, I see how you interact with the others and the light you bring. And, you know, we just help set up the meeting. I, I don't know. I think Amber set up the meeting. and <laughs> We watched. We watched, yeah. <laughs> we'll we, we, we pretend we, we helped, managed. right? Yeah, we were managing it all. Uh, but you just bring this light with you. Oh, and um, I'm grateful for that. And, and I think it's really unique. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I just love being sober. And that's... I, I feel like um, I can't even. I'm so, I'm so proud of my recovery, and I'm so proud that um, I can sit here with you today and talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I don't want to say I'm proud of my alcoholism or my disease, but I'm proud of where it brought me to. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of the person I am today because of it. And you said earlier, you just said. I've done the work. Mm-hmm. I think were the words you used. Yeah, you have to do the work. You have to, you know. Um, I came here for thirty days. I went home, and, and within three weeks, I relapsed, and I didn't do the work. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to meetings. I didn't come to alumni. I didn't get a sponsor. Um, I didn't start my steps, and and the step work is not for everybody, but for me, it's very important, and. Um, I just thought oh, I can. I'm done. I'm. I can. I can live my life. And, Got it out of my system. Yeah, I, I'm good to go. And I was back here in three weeks, and that's when I realized I need to do the work. And a lot of times, people think 
I have fought the physical battle, right? The, the drug or the alcohol is now out of my body. And so I've done, and I can go about life. And what we realize is uh, there's a whole mental Huge. and spiritual body, yes. mind, and soul spirit that has to come together Yes, to work together. That's very true. There's... There's so much more to just the physical addiction of it. Um, the mental addiction to me is far more powerful than the physical addiction was. Um, I need to stay busy. I need to help people. I need to be with people. I can't be held up in my house or my bedroom or, you know, wherever. I And that's my me by nature. Mm-hmm. I, I, I work with people all day long every day. That's my job. So when I'm not at work, um, I was self-isolating. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when I would do most of my drinking was home alone. Mm-hmm. And um, now I, I try not to be home alone. I try not to be home at all. But um, I like to help people. I like to be with people. It's, it's a whole nother kind of... Um, <clears throat> it's dopamine for me to be serving people mm-hmm. and to be helpful at things. I'm always trying to, you know, I can help you with this or I can help you with that. Or Amber, if you need help, let me know. And I, I, I get a lot of pride and joy out of that um, for myself. I like being needed. Maybe that's it. You said that it was getting sober, staying sober is life or death for you. It is. It is. When did you find that out? Um, my liver enzymes for years, um, have been bad. And, you know, when you go to the doctor and you get, um, oh, your liver enzymes are high, you have fatty liver. Everybody has fatty liver at my, a lot of people have fatty liver at my age. It's not uncommon. Enzymes are high. You know, cut back on the alcohol, Kim. And, you know, don't take, um, you know, ibuprofen or acetaminophen. In my case, I can't take either anymore. Um, watch your fat, don't eat, you know, fast foods, things like that. And I just would brush it off and brush it off for years. And um, before uh, I got sober, I had my primary doctor said, you need to go see a liver doctor. Your enzymes are really bad. Your platelets are very low. And I saw the liver doctor and um, he, he said, well, the next time I see you, I want your husband to be with you. He goes, you need to quit drinking. And I said, okay. He, and he asked how much I drank, and I lied. I told him I drank a bottle of wine a night, and he was like, that is way too much. When in reality, I drank a whole lot more than that, and um, I just hid it from everybody. And he said, if, if you don't quit drinking, you will die. Uh. And, and he was very adamant, if you don't quit drinking, you will die. And I continued to drink. Mm. I didn't listen to him. And finally... Um, Do you think it was denial at that oh, point? Oh, yeah, for sure. I was in denial. I said, ah, I'll be fine. I'll just cut back. I'll cut back. I'll cut back. And uh, finally, I decided that I, I needed to get sober. I needed to stop showing up to things drunk, making a fool out of myself, not remembering how I got home, how I got in my pajamas, how I got in my bed. Um, and, you know, embarrassing my kids. They didn't want me around their friends anymore. So um, I came in, and my liver enzymes were extremely high. 
And I, I got out and I went to see the liver doctor and he said, you know, you need to go for this special scan. You got out. This is after you've left RCA at this point? The first time, yeah. Okay. The first time I went and saw him in that three-week span. And he said, uh, you need to get this special scan. And I said, okay, no problem. And then, like I said before, I relapsed, um, got back out after that relapse and went and saw him. I had this special scan and the scan showed that I had um, stage four liver failure. Mm. And um, my, number, my, my liver enzymes were okay at that point, um, but I still, I have liver damage beyond repair. Mm. It cannot repair itself any longer. Um, as I stated before, I don't, um, I cannot take any over-the-counter um, pain medicines anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to eat a Mediterranean diet, which is really hard when you're in recovery because mm-hmm. you really <laughs> like sugar and chocolate. <laughs> so I'm struggling with that right now, but I'm figuring it's kind of like one addiction at a time. I have to, you know, I, I have to allow myself a little chocolate every night. Um, my liver is functioning fine right now, and as long as I don't drink, I should be able to live a pretty normal life. But if I do drink, I will die. And and there's a saying that says to drink is to die, and that's me. Mm. Kim, I'm so sorry to hear that. And and it's... You, you carry yourself with <laughs> such light. I, I think that's, it, it, you know... And I think you've got a message you're carrying. And I can't, you know, I can't go back. And that's, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't sit and cry over it. It is what it is. The damage is done. I can just go forward and, and you know, be the best, healthiest person I can be. Um, and, and try and help other people in my situation. And to let them know, you know, there is help. There, Getting sober was the best thing I've ever done in my life, aside from my children. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty proud of those guys. But um, getting sober is the best thing I've done for myself in my yeah. life. Do you have any examples of how, you know, you, you work in the people industry, just sharing your story has led you to help another person? Um, uh, my Facebook post. Um, I have probably a good half dozen or more people that have reached out to me through Messenger. Uh, their daughter is struggling, their son, their spouse. Um, I've given them the number here. I've given them, you know, obviously call me anytime or have them call me. Yeah. I'll talk to them about what life is like for me now. Mm-hmm. And, and show them that, you know, you don't have to wake up every morning with the shakes and thinking about, gosh, when am I going to be able to drink today so I don't have the shakes anymore? You know, that is such a blessing in itself that, you know, when I go to work in the morning and I don't eat breakfast, say, that day and I'm a little shaky, it kind of brings back those memories and my clients will laugh and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I remember when you, you know, would come in every day like this. I'm like, no, not anymore. It's just because I didn't eat breakfast today. Yeah. But uh, I think, um, you know, just spreading my word is, it helps people. I told you earlier that I, you know, I'll talk to people in the grocery store and tell them, oh, I'm, you know, a recovering alcoholic. 
And I had a lady um, just the other day, she's like, my husband is too. And we happen to go to the same AA club. So that was, it was, you know, we live in a small town, so it's not probably that unnormal. Uh, but it was quite a coincidence. And, and the meat lady at my grocery store, uh, her son is um, an alcoholic. And every now and again, she'll be like, hey, you know, this happened. What do you think? I'm like, he's got to be ready. And, and what a gift you give mm-hmm. people just to be able to have those conversations. I think so many times it's not a safe space for mm-hmm. people to share. Yeah. My son is struggling or my daughter str- or I'm struggling. You know, it, it's just... There's such a stigma attached to it, Um and I, I'm hoping, you know, in time that it won't be like that anymore because we all know somebody that's suffering mm-hmm. from some form of addiction. We all do. It's, it's just, like you said, the mommy wine club. I mean, it's out there. And you may not, people may not think, it's not me. I, I can quit whenever I want. But sometimes they think, can you really? Because mm-hmm. I thought that too. I can quit whenever I want. Until I wanted to and I couldn't. Mm. Was there a moment when you realized, I want to cut back and I can't? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, when I saw the doctor, the liver doctor, or even the primary doctor the first time, and he had said he wanted me to see a liver specialist, I'm like, this is getting serious. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm just going to cut back. And I did for maybe a day or two. But I couldn't. Or my kids would say, Mom, please. You know, I have teenage sons. What kind of example was I setting for them? And they would, you know, say, Mom, please. You know, can you just cut back? Can you just have one tonight? Or they'd hide um, the liquor from me. And I'd get really mad. And I'd be like, give give it back to me. Give it back to me. And, you know, I was just like, gosh, I got to really try and stop. But I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. And, and how do you go from having those types of conversations with your boys to now conversations about drinking? I, I explained to um, my older son, um, you know, that we have addiction in our family. And, you know, I, I really don't like, um, I don't want, you know, he's at that age where they're, you know, they're, they're getting together and they're starting to drink a little bit. He's not of age, but I'm not, I'm not stupid and he doesn't lie to me. And I'm grateful for that because I'm, you know, I told him no matter where you are or what you do, you can always call me. I will mm-hmm. ask no questions. And, and he's even said, well, what about the next day? I'm like, nope, as long as you let me come and get you and your friends, it's done. It's done. It's over with. But you need to understand that addiction is genetic mm-hmm. and you could carry that gene to make you an addict. My father was an addict. My grandfather was an addict. My, um, I believe my mom's side, um, there was some alcoholism. They, they, I've never had a chance to ask her before she passed on. Um, and that's when my alcohol really spun out of control it was two years ago after my mom died. Mm-hmm. Um, I went down that dark road and she never got to see me sober. I, I, I'm so sorry. I think uh, my mom has passed, and um, I, I we lost both of our moms within an eight month. My husband and I an eight month span, 
And I, I said, I felt like I needed to call all my friends who had lost their mom and say, I'm so sorry, I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. There's something really um, painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a, a different type of pain. It's a different type of pain. You don't know the loss until you lose a mom mm-hmm. or a parent or yeah. and a mom. And, and, and my mom was, um, we butted heads a lot. She's on my fourth step. <laughs> but it's still your mom. It's still my mom. <laughs> but, um, you know, she used to tell me, Kim, you need to quit drinking. Kim, you need to quit drinking. And I talked about this at AA the other day, and it's it just, it's coming up on her two-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that's my one regret is I never, my mom never got to see me sober. Mm-hmm. Until the day she died, I was drunk. And I regret that so much. She's, I'm so sorry. I know. She's here. I know she's always with me. But it's still hard. It's still, um. And your kids get to see you sober. Yeah. My kids get to see me sober. (laughs) You are right. Thank you. You pulled me out of that. Yes. My kids get to see me sober. And I am so grateful to God for that. I really am. That's beautiful. Yeah. And they, and they, and they talk to me now. Yeah. For the most part, they're teenagers. They're teenage and, and boys. <laughs> and boys, yeah. For the most part, they talk to me. But, um, yeah, they get to see their mom sober. And uh, I don't know what situation we were in the other day. And uh, there was a bag. And, and my my husband still drinks in front of me. And, and I, I'm not fond of it, but I don't see anything. Um, but I looked at them one day, and they... I told them to get rid of their, there was a bottle of booze in their kitchen. And I said, can you just, you know, I just want to look at it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to drink it. And they're like, mom, you know, we're going to make dad, you know, get rid of all this. And I'm like, no, you don't have to make him get rid of it. Just ask him to just put it away. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to walk in through the kitchen and cook dinner and have a bottle of alcohol staring in my face. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they're just so supportive. My boys, they're so supportive and, and, they are happy for me. I think those are conversations as as families come back together and how do we live a new normal and you know we're coming up on the holidays and do we have alcohol with Christmas dinner or how does that how does that work? Well, this year is going to be a little different one uh, my son is leaving for the Marines in in May and so um we will, uh, we're going to have our own family Thanksgiving, just the four of us. Um, uh, we'll set up the tree and we'll, we'll do our, a new tradition, so to say. Uh, my side of the family doesn't, um, they drink and, and um, so we won't spend it with them. And my, I don't really see my husband's side of the family, so um, I don't know what he'll do with them. But we'll have our own Thanksgiving for Christmas. I haven't thought that far. Yeah. I'll, one I'll day at a time. One day at a time. I'll figure it when I get there. Oh. <laughs> and tell us what's on your arm um, there. The, after I got out of rehab the second time, um, I knew this was it. I knew I, I got that sign, and I knew this was it. So I had um, one day at a time tattooed on my arm so wow. I could look at it. Anytime things get tough, I just rub my hand over it, and I think it's one day at a time, Kim. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's really great that you're starting new traditions. That's a big tip for the, the holidays is things don't have to be the same as they always were. Yeah. 
and having some new things that you're trying and implementing. Yeah. And, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, if, if I stay home on Christmas and watch movies and eat chocolate, then that's what I do. Yeah. And I'll enjoy it. I'll be, I'll be okay with it. Yeah. Uh, it as long as I'm with my kids, that's all that matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any um, last thoughts or things that you would like to share with others who are maybe maybe thinking this has gone too far but are scared? Do it now before it gets worse because it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. If, if you're doubting you have a problem, you have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I never... I, I knew I had a problem. I was in denial. I knew I had a problem for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and get the help because you <laughs> the end of 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 that struggle and that journey to get clean is a whole new life that is just amazing. My life is more amazing now than it's been in as long as I can remember, honestly, because like I told you before, growing up, it was, you know, we we had a pretty crappy life and, um, I'm so much happier now. And, and I look forward to getting up most mornings (laughs) 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 and I look forward to seeing my friends sober and my friends that drink. And that was, you know, my friends weren't big drinkers. Mm -hmm. They were very casual drinkers. I drink alone at home. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, seeing, going out to a movie, you know, a friend of mine and I have been going to movies and it's really nice to be able to go out to a movie. So do the work and, and, and you will be rewarded in so many ways that you never even knew existed. And do you have any favorite recovery quotes? Let go, let God, one day at a time. What does let go, let God mean to you? (sighs) To me, it means, uh, you know, I, I, I gave it to God. I asked for God to help me through this and to help me get sober. And... That second time uh, when I relapsed, I, to me it was a God moment, and I, I let go, and I said, God, I need help. And I feel that he pulled me through and got me the help, and, and every day he's walking with me and showing me that this is what you needed to do. You're doing it. You got this, Kim. That's beautiful, Kim. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you. And for sharing your story with the alums and just the world around you. Thank Um, you. It's a better place with you in it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening today to the Strength and Recovery Podcast. If you or someone you know needs help, please call 1-833-RCA-ALUM. Connect with our alumni community. We're open to anyone pursuing recovery. So if you're interested, come out to one of our alumni meetings. Come out to one of our sober events. We try to plan something every single month, either an act of service or just a time of fellowship. And it's a really great time to get acquainted with other like-minded individuals who are really wanting to pursue recovery. 
So please join us. Call a coordinator um, at RCA, 1-833-RCA-ALUM, and get connected today. Thank you for listening to the Strength and Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tap the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from our listeners and hope to reach more of you out there as we continue to share these incredible stories of recovery. The RCA alumni team aims to provide a safe, supportive environment for those in the recovery community, regardless of their affiliation with RCA. We host a full calendar of virtual and in-person meetings seven days a week, 365 days a year, as well as free sober events every month. To learn more about what we do, find us at rcaalumni.com. Remember, if you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, pick up the phone and dial 1-833-RCA-ALUM. Help is available 24-7. Listen to another episode now or join us next time for the Strength and Recovery Podcast.